Hey everyone, welcome back. This is Dear Baseball Gods episode 63, and I'm here with the first, the first ever, the three-peater. Uh, I don't know if that means that you're like really cool or really lame that you're on my podcast three times, but we're back with uh, Kevin Vance, pitching coach at the University of Rhode Island, and Kevin was a former teammate of mine. We were in the bullpen, uh, both like mess- making <laughs> making our innings messier when we would go in them uh, back in 16 with Long Island. And Kevin's background, you were a Birmingham ba- Birmingham Baron, Double uh, A with the White Sox, and you're also you're drafted originally by the Diamondbacks, though, right? Uh, I get that, other I get that way right. around. I got that backwards. That's right. You caught on on the tail end of your career when you were off to the almost off to the glue factory <laughs> <laughs> with the D-backs. But uh, Kevin's now the pitching coach at, at University of Rhode Island. This is your third year there so uh so you guys are in the thick of it in the fall huh october 30th yeah we're we're right into uh we finished our fall season and we're we're into our individual segment so we're kind of crushing the lifts a little bit more and uh most of the pitchers all of them pretty much all of them except one or two are shut down um building that base getting in the weight room and crushing arm care and, and stuff like that um it's actually i actually really enjoy this time of year because it's more individual focused, um, we're able to get with get with guys in kind of one on one settings as opposed to the whole team. Um, it's a little more time to do stuff, so yeah, we're right into it right now. That's cool. So, recap last year. I know you guys had a couple drafts, right? So, how did the uh, how did the major league draft treat treat the Rhode Island? What are you guys again? The the hus- the the, sh- the shuckers or <laughs> huskers or catfish catfish? Come on, man. Huh? We're the Rams. Oh, that's right. That's Rams right. Nation. Rams Nation. All right. How many Rams were drafted last year? Uh, we had one drafted last year. Um, yeah, making sure I'm getting that right. Uh, yeah, we had one uh, pitcher. He's actually he actually went to the to the White Sox. I think it was twentieth round. Um, he was our closer, uh, Nick Johnson, and he actually went to the team that I started with, Great Falls, and won a championship, just like his his coach did. Oh, in his guys. first year, <laughs> so it was cool though, because <laughs> he he was with most of the same coaches and you know rovers and stuff. So just talking with him, like, hey, how's this guy doing? And it was cool just to kind of reliving my life through him a little bit. So it was cool. But you guys had a pretty young, had, young staff last year, though, right? Uh, we had a younger team. We had a pretty experienced staff. We had three guys um, sign in the Frontier League too. Three pitchers. Um, so, you know, it's, they were seniors. We had those three guys, as you know, cause you're kind of similar. They were seniors experienced. Um, I think they all have the ability and to pitch an affiliated ball for sure. Um, like our Friday guy, um, he pitched for Traverse city Our our big time bullpen guy. He pitched for Traverse city too. Um, had a, they both had really good years, and then our Sunday guy pitched for Gateway this summer too. So they three guys in, in indie ball um, had good summers, and then one one affiliated. But so it was a pretty veteran staff, um, which kind of makes makes my job easy. Um, you know, they kind of they know what they're doing. They have their routines, and um, <clears throat> you know, it was a little not easier. I mean, we we're still working hard and making adjustments, but. They, uh, it was a little less of the, you know, not holding hands, but 
you know, the stuff that you got to teach freshmen because there weren't as many. Yeah. Well, let's jump into that because that's one of the things I wanted to ask you. We were talking off camera about how, you know, with all our fall practice season, we didn't have a fall game schedule with our travel teams. But, you know, we had long practices on Sundays. We had four hour practices. And uh, at the end of it, you know, we did some pretty hard conditioning and the kids were kind of worn out. They're 14 to 16. And we said, you know, hey, like this is if you want to play college baseball, this is a pretty standard like Monday practice. Like you practice, you know, three to five hours pretty much every day. Your game days are eight hours because you're there. The field's so early and then you're usually cleaning up later unless you're like a big time program where you don't have to do that stuff. But um, so like what do you teach freshmen and how do they how do they adjust when they get to uh, to campus? A lot of it is just getting organized. It's the first time they're away from home. Obviously, they have class basically 8 a.m. to noon. Um, and then we'll have lift after that and then a couple hours of practice. And then, you know, in between all that, you got to study and and take care of business. So a lot of it is getting them organized, getting them to use their, their phone. Like they always have their phone in their hand. Um, and there's a calendar on your phone. So that's kind of the main thing. Honestly, it sounds dumb, but like put everything in your phone, like reminders and just being there because half of it is is knowing where you need to be because guys can get overwhelmed. It's a lot. You know, they have academic meetings. Um, they get a ton of support there. So it's academic meetings, lift, practice, class, studying. Um, and at the same time, you know, being college kids, hanging out with the guys and uh, – so it's it's getting organized, I think, is the big thing, because um, you can get overwhelmed really quickly. And then as far as teaching them to be collegiate level athletes, so I remember my coach, he uh, and it was he was wise, like no one thought he was, but he but he was he was wise, and uh, he'd just say, you know, like in the first fall, he wouldn't really tinker with guys too much, because usually they would just sort of brush him off because they're the best player in their you know in their county or their state as a high school senior. And so anything he said wouldn't stick anyway, but come the spring when they're still like pitching up in the zone at 86 miles per hour and they're just getting shelled uh, or, you know, they're hitting 180, then they start to listen to coach a little more. So what, uh, what do you guys do in the fall? Do you feel like kids are kind of resistant to coaching at first, or I'm sure there's a continuum, obviously of personalities and coachability, but what's the typical freshman, how do they adjust baseball wise? That's good. That's a really good question. I think I kind of this year, um, Fish and I, we kind of changed our view on that. Um, I think at fir- my first year was, you know, I showed up, I didn't know anyone. So there was a lot of, you know, all right, let me see who you are. Um, you know, even the recruits, like I didn't, I never saw them come in because I, you know, I got the job a, a couple weeks before the fall started. So I didn't have any clue, you know, even what, as a coach, like I was like, what do I do? I'm a coach now. Um, so it was more of just watching and kind of letting them fail. I think this, this fall, it's my third fall and we kind of, we got into it more a little bit in terms of, you know, mechanical adjustments for the freshmen right away. Um, because not to sound arrogant or anything, but it's, you know, if there's a glaring thing mechanically like that, they got away with in high school, I know that they're not going to do well in college. Um, so we started kind of instead of, we still let them fail a little bit, um, you know, not try and change them too much for the first couple weeks. But after that, it was, you know, 
we get right into it. Like, Hey, let's make this adjustment now in the fall. So we don't have to go through these growing pains in the spring because that matters. You know, the spring matters. That's, that's going on your web on the website, you know, and it's affecting if we win or not. Um, so we jump right into it for, you know, a lot of different stuff, a lot of the same, same base in terms of the mechanical stuff, but, um, we jump right into it in terms of making adjustments. And so then they could feel themselves do it in a game, um, or an inner squad. And cause it's different, like, you know, making an adjustment in a bullpen or like in a flat ground, it's pretty easy, but you gotta be able to do it in the game. So I think that was kind of a big step for us in terms of just saying, all right, we don't, we know they're going to fail it, you know, so let's just, let's get ahead of it. And kind of, I think the, the guys bought in, they didn't, there wasn't any, you know, well, I, I struck everyone out in high school. None of that. It was, you know, we explained it to them. They understood it. Um, you know, it was a lot of the physical stuff that it, and it all relates to, to the weight room and the training room. Um, so we kind of have all those aspects on board with the stuff that we're talking about, you know, staying in your legs, how does the weight room movements relate to the mound? Um, and how can we practice those in the weight room and then apply them to the mound? So it was kind of not just me and, and fish talking to the guys, but you know, the, the guys in the weight room and, um, in the training room talking about, you know, what do your hips do? You know, why do they do this and why can't they do that? Um, and kind of getting them on board. Um, so I think the guys buy in. We spend a lot of time explaining. Um, I think the guys are probably tired of hearing me talk about it, me and Fish, but just having meetings and talking about, you know, how to stay in your legs um, instead of doing PFPs for an hour. We'll have, we call them barn talks, um, you know, while the position players are hitting and kind of that time where, you know, they say, hey, kickers go kick field goals um we go into the barn and we we have like a basically a lesson plan and so the guys they understand i think uh, they have a pretty good idea of how mechanics work because you know we educate them as much as we can um at, at every at every aspect of it so i think they buy in pretty pretty quickly yeah so a question i was thinking of while you were talking so number one i know who fish is but explain to our you keep saying fish fish be like who is this like who is it was this fish that he's referring to so who's who's uh Dave fish is my alter ego that i have <laughs> yeah it's like a fight club situation uh, <laughs> uh so fish is dave fisher aka coach fisher um he was my teammate at uconn he played for about six years too professionally um, he joined us last year. He was with the twins last year, actually he got released and you know, we had, we had a spot open up and I, I texted him like, Hey man, we got you want to coach? Like, I don't know if you're done playing or not. Kind of the same situation that I was in, um, the year before. And so fish, he's a pitcher, he's a pitcher too. So that's kind of a unique deal for us. We have two pitching coaches in a sense. Um, we work together. Um, I'm tech. I guess I have the title of pitching coach, but by no means is it just me. We work together. We, you know, we collaborate on things, um, and it's un- it's awesome to have. I can't even explain to you how good how great it is to have someone 
work with the pitchers with you. You can, you know, if I, something I think of, I, he's sitting right next to me. Hey fish, what do you think about, about this? And then sometimes he says, I think that's a terrible idea. And then, you know, we can yell at scream and yell at each other. And, and then we get, we finally get to, you know, the good stuff, like the sweet spot and, you know, the stuff that is going to work. Um, so I've gotten a lot better as a coach. Um, I think I've grown as a coach just from having another pitching coach around. Um, so, and, and we're, we're kind of completely different species almost. He's six, yeah, he's, six. He's tall. Um, he looks like an actual pitcher. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. More like a gorilla, a gorilla or something. Yeah. For those of you who can't can't see, I Kevin's a really like thick, strong dude. But he and I were both like similar body types, like not typical pitchers. Like if we had walked up and said we were like third baseman or second baseman, people would be like, "Oh, yeah, okay, that makes that makes sense." But we're not tall enough to be pitchers. So yeah, yeah. it is what it hockey is. players. Yeah. Um. So here's so here's my question to you. So you probably watched the postseason this year, right? At least some mm-hmm. of it. I actually missed most. I, if I'm actually going to not lie on camera, I didn't watch any of the World Series. I don't know why. I just was, like, really busy, and I just, I don't know. I got I watched pretty much all of the division and the uh, the ALCS and NLCS. But anyway, the pitcher usage and the idea that pitchers, A, are just, like, thrown in any old role in the, in the postseason irks me. Number two... Uh, the idea mm-hmm. that, you know, we've both been relievers and you know how it is when you pitch back-to-back days and then potentially three days in a row, how your stuff degrades and to say that you're like the same Kevin Vance on the third day in a row that you're pitching as you are on day one is like kind of like patently false. Like you're just not the same person. You are, but so my question is, you know, you see like Clayton Kershaw going out and pitching like 89 innings in a series and you see all these other guys pitching over and over and over. And we saw in 2016 with Araldis Chapman, like he pitched so much at the very end, he was just like throwing all sliders because he knew for a fact that he couldn't get people out with his 97 mile per hour fastball. Because mm-hmm. like the way he usually pitches at 101 doesn't work at 97. So do you feel like when these freshmen come in and they were super successful in high school, basically probably being like Araldis Chapman, a lot of these pitchers, I mean, you're throwing 88, 89 in high school. Like, I don't know how any kids hit that stuff. And so you learn to have, like, you you understand as a pitcher in high school, like, I throw 88, I can just kind of hammer it down the middle, kids are going to swing and miss. Like, you don't have to be as fine until it doesn't work anymore. So do you feel like, my question is this, do you feel like pitchers can actually adjust strategically and, like, command-wise until they get just destroyed? Can they actually, like, do it before it happens? Like, say you're you're throwing 90-92, like, that was – you know, maybe typical you the last season. Uh, and now next season you show up and you're 87 to 89. Can you, f- can you like make those adjustments before you've seen what happens if you pitch the same way at 90, 92 as you did at 87, 89? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, it, probably not. Um, it's tough. I, it, it is hard. I think you gotta, you do have to fail. You gotta get hit around a little bit. Um, you kind of, in a sense, I guess you do become a different pitcher um, in college. Like, like you said, eighty-eight is not getting hit ever in high school. Um, so yeah, I think you you have to rediscover yourself a little bit. Um, I don't want to change their identity. Um, more of a fine tuning of their of their identity. Um, you know, some guys can still 
just let it eat, you know, at, at 86, even 85. And just, you know, they think their fastball is harder than it is. And, um, and there's something behind that. Like they still have success, some guys and, you know, other guys, you know, it doesn't work. They just get, they can get lit up, but I think it's, it comes down to, you know, their conviction and whatever it is. If it, if they think that they're the best pitcher on the field, just like they did in high school, a lot of the times it's, they're still going to have success. Um, it's when, when they kind of lose their confidence and they lose their conviction that, you know, that that's when they start to get hit. I, I tell the guys all the time, like, you know, it's okay to miss your spot. Um, but make sure you miss it with conviction, right? Because a, a missed spot with conviction is uh, that's not going to get hit as much as you know a missed spot unconvicted. Um, so it's a tough kind of it's a tough battle, but I, I I never want them to to lose their confidence. Um, overall, yeah, maybe you gotta you gotta learn a little bit, and you you have to have a little adversity, but you got to find that edge of you know, competitiveness and what, whatever, whatever makes you release that ball with conviction. Um, that's all, that's all that matters to me. Um, not all yeah. that matters, but it's, it's really important. Yeah. And I think, that's and I think they get, they will get stronger. Sorry. I think, I think most guys can turn their 88 into, into 92 with just getting on a routine. Some of the guys don't, they've never had a routine or they, they've never had a workout regimen. Um, you know, and they've never had access to all you can eat in the dining hall, um, which I think a lot of the guys need just, you know, putting on some mass, putting on some muscle. And, and then that's how you, that's how you develop your stuff. And then we can fine tune all the mechanical stuff and, you know, pitch development stuff. Um, but, you know, failing, yeah, it's, it's good. It's a good learning experience, but I, I want all of our freshmen to come in and dominate as, as pitchers. Yeah. That would be it's awesome. Yeah, I just wonder if it's possible to like get ahead of that, you know, instead of going into freshman year and if you if there's a way to really sink it in like hey, you know, it's like Clayton Kershaw pitches Monday, he makes x pitches and then on Friday he pitches again, he's tired. Is there a way that he could know that I couldn't throw the same pitches I threw Monday? Like they have to be the same pitches plus 20% better located or whatever it is so that you just but it just doesn't seem like it works that way. Just like subconsciously as a pitcher, I feel like you just you understand how you get outs, and it's tough to deviate from that plan until it just like it it's blowing up in front of you, and then you're just really sad sitting sitting in the, <laughs> in the bullpen, being sad. But um, so, what does the typical freshman look like physically when they come in? Because I get a lot. Of, like I had a question the other day on Instagram, kid. Uh, messaged me and he's like, Hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. What, what can I do? I'm, I want to play D1 or D2 baseball. I'm a good utility player. I'm 5'11, 135. And I was like, like, scratch the record. And like, no, no, no. Like, you're yeah. not, you're not going to play Division One or Division Two if you're 135 pounds, unless you're like a 6'4 runner. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you, you got to put on a lot of weight really fast. So, what, like, what is the typical, give me like an outfielder's, give me like a roadie outfielder what a roadie infield looks like and what a, I don't know, like an a- average roadie pitcher looks like. Uh, you want like height and weight or. Well, like just, yeah, that. And just like, if you made a composite, like an average, mm-hmm. like is your average roadie pitcher, six two one eighty, And I don't know, like whatever, 
I, yeah, because I think a lot exactly. of kids don't get this. Like they just don't watch enough just college to give baseball. A perspective of yeah, they of just don't how understand physical and good they need to be. Yeah. Uh, so an outfielder, I think, you know, basically if you got to run under a seven to be an outfielder, um, you don't have to. I mean, you can if you really hit. Um, so it's a range of things. You're really you're a you're a big bat in the outfield and then you don't have to be as good of an outfielder, um, but you got to be, you know, hitting home runs um, in high school and kind of dominating high school. That's kind of the first thing. Like if you want to play in college, especially division one, you pretty much have to be able to dominate high school. Cause if you don't, if you can't dominate high school, then, you know, you're, you're going to be below average in college um, and not necessarily dominate to play in college, but you have to be one of the, the best players on your team to play in college, unless your team is, you know, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but if you're a good, a good high school player, you know, there's a place for you in college baseball. Um, if you're hitting ninth and, you know, hitting a buck 50 in high school, then it's, and it's probably not for you, um, which is fine. But, you know, so that, I guess I'd start there. Like if you're, if you're dominating high school and you're one of the best players on your team, then, then I think there's a, a place for you, but, um, URI, um, Man, this is a it's a tough question to answer. Yeah, I think I infielder. It's, it's harder to it's harder to pin down. Like I know I went and watched, I watched one of our kids who is in junior college. I watched him pitch at the end of the summer, and it was the first time I'd seen him pitch since high school. It'd been like you know eight or nine, well, I don't know nine months, whatever. But that team, a they're a really good junior college, but they were mm-hmm. phys- they were physical. Like I was surprised because junior college like there are some very good junior colleges and there's some very sloppy junior colleges that are kind of whatever but this team was like very well built and i was surprised mm-hmm. at just how physical they looked and i think a lot of high school kids would be too because that whole team like you don't see hardly one or two high school kids running around that look like as muscular and as strong as those kids looked like top to bottom in the lineup so, yeah yeah like we so we had we have an outfielder who's probably 62 um, he's probably 180, 190, and he's an absolute burner. He, he ran a 645 um, at Scout Day. Um, crazy bat speed. He's a he's a specimen. He's actually he's one of the best athletes and and physical kids on the team as a freshman. Um, uh, we have a catcher who is has a ton of pop. He's you know around a two probably pop time, but he's he's probably 230 and he's not and it's not fat he's it's muscle um he's really physical we have another outfielder who is pretty close in size he's he's over 200 pounds you know 62 um our pitcher pitchers we have you know 63 um up to up to 91 88 91 um we got another pitcher who's a little more raw. He he needs to put on some weight, but he he's got a really live arm. He's you know up to ninety probably. Um, he's kind of 85, 88 mostly, but he's you know he's probably he might listen to this, so I don't want to offend him. But probably like one. He's probably six three one sixty. I'll put this out there. Hey friend, if you're listening, just put on <laughs> some weight. Just own it. I mean, yeah. you know, if people are gonna guess that you're 140 and you're offended by that then that's that's your own fault i don't know who you are <laughs> i'm your friend in this but put on some weight if you don't like it 
eat more. If you don't like it, <laughs> you don't like it, play better. All right, that's this guy's yeah. mind. So, um, all right, carry on. Yeah, so it ranges. Trying to think who else. You know, we got another pitcher who's about my height, probably one eighty. Um, you know, but he's he's a real athletic. Um, you know, I, I don't really discriminate in terms of size, obviously, because I I think that yeah, I was a good short. player. <laughs> Um, I actually, I enjoy having the undersized righties and the undersized lefties. And I think they, they got a little chip on their shoulder. So I appreciate that, but you still can't be, they're still physical. Um, we have some, we got a, another recruit coming in next year. Um, I don't think I'm allowed to talk about him when he hasn't signed, but, um, just undersized. We, we have guys coming in way undersized, but still physical. Um, and there's a difference. Like you can be, you could maybe be 135 if you're like you said a burner or like a yeah. strong wiry like really physical not you know not weak um so yeah, it's not really I, a number it's just strength or and, and physical physicality yeah and i met when i when i told him that and i i immediately got this flashback because when i played college summer ball in maryland uh and our our league was an okay league it was called the cowerpkin collegiate senior league but there was this team called the Maryland Orioles or the Yalsas Orioles. Yals was like the scout who ran the team, but it was mostly high school players, if not all. Like, uh, who's the the guy? One of the relievers from the Cubs. He's now in the Cubs. Uh, he was on that team. He was drafted by the Red Sox. He was throwing 96 out of high school. He was on that team. So they were a good team because they were, like, all, like, the best draftable prospects from, like, the Maryland tri-state area. So it was, like, a really good team. But anyway, there's a kid on there who was probably 135 pounds, but – he played short. He was just like ultra smooth. I think he ended up being like a second round draft pick. So obviously like there's guys out there, but at the same time, you know, this young man, he really, really nice kid. Uh, I wish him the best, but he was like, you know, I haven't gotten contacted by many schools. So there's a difference between I'm 135 pounds and no one's looking at me and I'm 135 pounds and every major league team has had me over for dinner. Yeah. You know, there's a difference. Yeah. Like this kid was like a premium athlete. Cause you looked at him like, wait, because, you know, like the guys, as we watch this team, like, oh, yeah, that kid's getting drafted. That kid throws 95. That kid does this. That kid, they said he might be like a first rounder. I'm like, wait, you mean that kid? That little kid? The kid who like looks like a little brother? Like someone just gave him a uniform? They're like, yeah. And then you watch him and you try to like figure it out. And you're like, yeah, oh, yeah. He like gets to every ground ball. And he's like super fast. And he's just got like a really nice, <laughs> nice swing. And he's and when he puts on 40 pounds, he's probably going to be legit. So, yeah. Yeah, the recruiting world's interesting. So when you sign one of these kids and, uh, you know, they're coming to Rhodey in a year or two years, what, uh, what, what happens next? Like, what's the plan? I mean, do they have to eat lots of hamburgers? Like, what do you, what do you guys tell them that they need to show up, <laughs> show up looking like on first day of school? Yeah, we stay in contact with them throughout it, you know, I think the signing day is coming up in two weeks. So after that, we'll be able to do a little bit more with them. Like, you know, I think we can send them a, a workout plan, um, you know, throwing programs, stuff like that. That's when we're allowed to kind of start sending them more stuff. But, you know, you, you kind of talk to them and, you know, you can ask them, what are you doing for workouts? And, you know, if it's, we try and get them into the right hands. Like if we have connections in the area of, you know, like places to work out, like just kind of give them suggestions and, and stuff to do. Um, but yeah, it's, 
each guy's different. Like there's some guys where, you know, they'll commit to us and they'll go, all right, like you got to start eating, you know, let's, let's go, yeah. you know, start working out. Um, Would it be a recruiting you know, violation if you like every morning they just open up their door to go to school and there's just like a McDonald's big breakfast, <laughs> just like sitting there <laughs> an anonymous. Yes, it's yeah, they look it's around. Definitely illegal. <laughs> uh, oh, they yeah, open uh, their locker and like protein I'm bars. I'm gonna get in trouble out. on this podcast. That's your tactic, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, but I think we we want we want the guys to come to games and come to practices still and watch college baseball. Um, you know, come up to practice and just watch. Uh, Cause that's important. Just see how the guys work, you know, come to lifts and, and watch that just to see, see what it takes. Cause you know, you can talk about it as much as you want throughout the recruiting process and you know, whatever, this is what we have to offer you, but until they actually come and, and see it, which, which they all do, um, you know, you can't really, they'll never get a real feel for it until they see it. So yeah. we want them to come out and watch games and, and that's important. How uh, how do they feel like they adjust to school? Because it goes like from zero to sixty pretty fast. And I, like my college, we didn't do like six a.m. pool workouts, but we did six a.m. sprinting workouts and strength conditioning, all that stuff. Uh, run me through like a typical day for a, a new freshman. Start at four a.m. They're still sleeping. Okay. So, right. <laughs> then they stop. Then they stop sleeping. Then then what happens? <laughs> uh okay so i'll go through a monday of this week um wake up at hopefully before their class to get breakfast that's important nutrition you got to get get that meal in um uh, get out of bed set your alarm you know you live with a baseball player make sure you guys are waking each other up for class um get to breakfast go to class you know it kind of ranges every day you could have no classes on one day you could have five in a row um, on one day. So, you know, it's, you're in class, you better be there. Cause sometimes I check, um, I'm, I'm the, uh, academic liaison. So sometimes I'll, I'll walk up and, and I think as soon as the first guy sees me, it's in the group text already, um, to like, Hey, coach is checking class, make sure you're there. Um, uh, but we gotta go, you gotta go to class. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. Um, and, and then we quick, usually let me, lift. let me yeah. put in you guys typically, they have to organize their schedule in a typical, in a certain way, right. To make it fit with classes and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. like what, what kind of constraints are put on them to, for all that? Yeah. So we get, we get priority registration so you can veterans apply and then, and then athletes apply. So we, we can, we get basically second choice after, you know, a few, few of the vets that are at school. Um, but we try and get our guys in the fall to take classes and be done before two o'clock. So a normal student, they, they have the luxury of night class, afternoon class. Um, we don't unless it's, you know, you're a senior and you have one class left and it's only offered in the afternoon. Um, yeah. but other than that, it's, you gotta, you gotta be done by two because that's when we lift. Um, so we'll lift it to, <clears throat> um, and then after that we go, usually go right out to the field. Um, for practice, you know, we want the guys coming into the barn and, and doing their arm care and getting their mobility and their early work. Um, and then we'll, we'll kind of, it's different every day. You know, we'll, we'll play catch. We'll, 
we always try and have a, a certain amount of time, you know, over a half hour for the guys to play catch. And so they're not rushed to catch. Um, they can take their time, play quality catch and um, get some dry work in and, you know, get, get their flat grounds in. And, and that's the time to get better, you know, playing catch. Um, and then we'll, I mean, team defense type of thing. Um, and then, you know, first and thirds, bump plays, all that, all that really fun stuff that we all love doing. Um, and then like, usually we'll, the position players will, will break up and kind of do, do their own thing. And then, you know, we'll have a, a barn talk and we'll talk about, uh, psychopaths and, or something crazy like that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so <laughs> you mentioned this the other night. Uh, tell me about the psychopath stuff. Yeah, so I'm like I'm just kind of on a kick right now with psychopath, um, psychopaths. Uh, so Coach Fish, he he talks, he does a lot of the mental stuff. So he talks to the guys about being in the moment and you know controlling what you can control and and, and all that stuff. And and I started listening to to this book, uh, the Wisdom of Psychopaths, and it kind of talks about the positive traits of of psychopaths um, and not you know, it kind of throws aside like, yeah, not all psychopaths are, are ax murderers and, and, you know, scum of the earth. Um, it talks about psychopaths in really high up positions and all walks of life and, and why they're there. And they have a lot of psycho psychopathic traits, but they're just not, they're nonviolent. So they're not serial killers. Um, so it's kind can of you, a, can you define it for me? Define psychopath. Cause it has such a negative. Yeah. yeah it has such a negative connotation. Like you just think ah, like just ax or chainsaw. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Find so, psychopath. Yeah. So like a emotionless decision-making, um, they, they live in the now. Um, they're actually, it, it talks about how they're close, naturally close to like Zen Buddhists without actually training it. Um, so that was pretty cool. I mean, they have kind of no remorse, which is obviously more of like a, killer type um aspect but i brought up like you know if you throw a fastball and like a two seam in and he fouls it off his knee like what are you gonna throw the next pitch and it's like another one and that's like no remorse like it's that's like kind of psychopathic and um so a lot of the traits that psychopaths have uh you know it's applies to pitching you know like Max Scherzer is definitely you know he has a little psychopath in him and he kind of expresses it outwardly but you know, not everyone, you know, there's quiet psychopaths too, you know, but I, I think they, a psychopath has a ton of mental toughness, um, and a, a ton of self self-worth, like, you know, they're, they're narcissistic and which is, those are traits that you need as a pitcher. You gotta be, you gotta be a narcissist. You have to be, think you are the best pitcher on the planet when you're doing it and, and truly believe it. Um, so I, I think that's it, like emotionless, um, pitch to pitch, living in the now, no remorse for the hitter, um, incredible amounts of self-worth, mental toughness. And so that, that's kind of, those are the positive traits, um, you know, of psychopaths. And, um, you know, it, it, it talks about like presidents who have psychopathic traits, um, there's yeah, one, one right, pretty pretty right relevant. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah <laughs> horrible. Um, but anyway, yeah. go on. Not to get political, but he's pretty uh talk about a narcissist. Uh, well we should we should we should talk about this for a second because I don't know what your opinion is. I don't have a political I don't really don't have a political opinion. 
because and I don't think most Americans when like, say, for example, Trump's applying tariffs. I don't think most Americans, in fact, I would guarantee they don't really know what the ramifications of that is. I don't. Do you like do you know, like if, if long term this tariff stuff is going to help or hurt us? I have no idea. It could be a great decision. It could be a terrible decision. I really don't know. And I'm sure the common American doesn't. Do they? We don't, probably not. Probably not. So, like, with all that stuff, I really am kind of just, like, the verdict's out for me on some of the stuff that he's doing. But the verdict's not out on the fact that he's just, like, the worst human being, like, ever. And he's just like, hey, here's another example of how horrible I am. <laughs> yeah, you never want your kids to be, like, the president now. Like, look, look it's just, like, every day it's just a circus. But... As far as politically, I don't know, but personally, oh, the man's just horrifying. Yeah, he'd probably if he had any like physical talent, he'd probably be a pretty good pitcher if he if he had a good arm because he he loves himself and well, he commented he, he on definitely. the World Series the other day. That was yeah, thanks, Don. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we should all we should all just comment. Hey, you should have left that pitcher who was doing great in. Why'd you put that guy in who did terrible? Like idiot. <laughs> that's basically what he, that's basically what he said. Like all right, yeah. nice ba- backseat driver. Like that makes yeah. Hindsight's cool. Um, <laughs> do you ever study? Do you take many philosophy classes in, in college? Not really. I wasn't a, a philosophy major like you. Um, I, I didn't. I wish I did, but the, psych, the I psychopath didn't. thing reminds me of uh, philosophical zombies. So I don't know if they need to study that in like an entry level course, but a philosoph like basically there's I can't remember which philosopher talked about it, but he basically said that there are zombies that walk amongst us. And it, they're not the same as psychopaths, but they're, it sounds very, very similar. But basically, a, 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 a zombie from the philosophical standpoint is just a person who inside is just dark. They're just dead inside. So mm-hmm. they, they like, if they hurt somebody, they act remorseful. They'll, like, fit in with social situations. They'll do all the things that a normal human being does because they know they've seen it, that they know that they should act that way. But deep down... They never have any sympathy, empathy, any like real of the genuine, like rich emotions that a human being has, but they act like they do, but really inside they're just black, like a, like they just don't have it. Like they don't feel it. And to me that it seems interchangeable with a, with a psychopath. Um, but that's just kind of what that yeah. sprung back into my mind where I know I've met people where I'm like, I just feel like you've never, you've never felt bad about anything you did in your entire life. Like I could just kind of tell like. Everything they do is they're faking and that they just they're just like not a person. And that was kind of what like that sounds really terrible. But I feel like we've all met someone that could potentially be a philosophical zombie, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. a psychopath. That's probably just like a synonym. But anyway, yeah. I digress. Um, so yeah, what else do, do you guys do on the, ment- on the mental side? <clears throat> uh, we do a lot of, uh, of breath work. Coach Fish is the we call him the, the mental coach. Um because he, he did, he's had a lot of struggles in his career mentally. So he's kind of worked through those and, and he's really good at having the guys work through it. So, um, we have a, it's called the regroup breath. Um, we do a ton of breathing exercises and, um, we just got done with our kind of our first chapter one of, you know, mental training and, and changing your perception. So we, we did that yesterday, um, talking about, Hey, how can we flip our, our, change our perception on things you know yeah um, a good example is it's uh it's a beautiful rainy day um coach fish always says that you know how can you how can you take a positive and flip it in or a negative and flip it into a positive um and how that relates to 
you know, pitching. It's bases loaded, no outs. Let's let's change our perception on this. It's not we're screwed here. It's this is going to be awesome when I strike out the side and <laughs> get out of this. Everyone's going to be like, "Damn, how'd you do that?" That's how. That's what we need to be thinking. And you do you do it one pitch at a time, obviously. But you know, that's what that's our mindset and yeah. training that. You know, we do have concentration grids, which kind of you know we'll have the guys go in and I don't know if you've done those, but it's you know one through a hundred on a just randomized on a grid and. You know, you circle, you cross off zero to 100 and you kind of go as fast as you can. And we do that and we have, we've had times where we have the whole pitching staff, a a concentration grid. Um, So it's present or what? Yeah. It keeps you present. So like you're throughout it, you're, you know, you're looking for number one and then you have, you start to panic and you feel it and then you got to put it aside and just focus. All right, where's one? And then, you know, where's two? And then we kind of throw some wrenches in it. We'll have you know, four guys going at once on the, on the grid. And then the rest of the pitching staff yelling at the top of their lungs and banging, banging bats on the, on the pole and, you know, saying personal stuff about them gets a little out of hand sometimes, but it's fun though. That part of it's fun, but it is, it does help. I think, you know, being able to, to remove negative thoughts and focus at the, on the task at hand. And that's a, that's what it's all about in terms of, of pitching. And, and we can train ourselves to do that. Um, train ourselves to, to be functioning psychopaths on the mound. <laughs> well, and, and with pitch selection, one of the things I talk about with, especially our younger kids, I'm like, Hey, all right, you just threw a curveball and the guy looked like really, really ugly. Like, what do you throw next? Like just throw the same pitch again. I'm like, and yeah. the way I relate it to them, I'm like, you're facing like a boss in a video game. Like, how do you defeat, like, the boss? You figure out that he has, like, one weakness. Like, you have to, like, shoot him in the in the throat or something. And then he starts to, like, react. Like, you shoot him everywhere else and nothing happens. You're like, oh, no. You hit him once in his, like, weak spot. You figure it out. And then what do you do? You just, like, keep shooting yeah. in that same spot until he yeah. dies. And then you, like, go to the next level. Like, hitters will tell you what they can't hit. And if you throw a pitch and they look really ugly, don't make it more complex than it has to be and just, just do the same thing until it looks like it's not going to work again. Like, yeah, we – we had uh, we we scrimmaged this fall. We actually we can play outside competition now. So we we played um, outside competition, and we had f- freshmen go early in the game. And it was I think every single O one count or every count where they were ahead, um, it was just automatic breaking ball. I wasn't calling pitches. Um, we hadn't really talked that much at that point about pitch selection, um, but it was every every O one count was a curveball after they threw a fastball that the guy was late on. You know, it's so that that was kind of that was a good learning experience for them in terms of like you don't have to throw a curveball every single time that you're ahead. I think that's kind of like a high school mentality. It's yeah. All right. I, th- I threw a fastball away and he was a little late and hit it foul. Like you can throw the same pitch again or throw a fastball in like you can just keep throwing it, make them prove they can hit it. So that was good learning experience for them. Yeah. And I think that takes a long time to to just figure it out. I know that for me, I, I kind of like gradually got better, all that stuff. And then in the Atlantic league, those last three years, it just, I feel like my awareness and my acuity for spotting like stuff the hitters were doing. And like, it became, it just exponentially took off and it became way faster. Like my brain just got way better at processing stuff that, Oh, he's late is his bat looks a little draggy. Like his hands drop a little bit inside, like inside fastball. All right, mm-hmm. he swung here. It just like becomes, and that's just 
it's just processing power over time. But I feel like you have to be put in pressure situations and also being reinforced and be reinforced by bad, bad results and like by failure and consequences and feeling like for me, I felt like when my job was on the line in pro baseball, that to me, like kicked in new gears every year because I wanted to keep my job. So like if I screwed up once, I did not forget how I screwed up and it was, mm-hmm. I might screw up again, but it'd be different. And I think sometimes, I don't know, maybe you can speak to this at the college level. Like they have four years at your program. You wonder if they feel like this little nerfy kind of comfort, like, Ooh, I, I'm not going to get released. But whereas, you know, like you pitch bad in pro ball, like, you know, yeah. gone. So I don't know they obviously need that long learning curve, but I don't know. Do you feel like there's more comfort? Do you feel like they have less urgency because they know they're going to show up to the field tomorrow, no matter what? Yeah. I think you, you can remind them that four years isn't that long. I mean, it kind of flies by. So, and you do have to establish yourself. You gotta, you know, if you don't pitch or if you don't play as a freshman, like, that next year is going to be even harder to, to crack the lineup or, or get on the mound. Um, so it does happen quick. I think most of our guys, um, you know, you, that's what it comes back to recruiting. Like you got to recruit the right kids that won't take that mindset um, of just being comfortable with, you know, I'm a division one player. Um, yeah. That's what we ask all of our recruits that like, what, you know, with like, what are your goals? Like, do you want to just, do you want to just be a D one player or do you, you know, do you want to be the best in the world? And, you know, if if they don't say, you know, I want to be a major leaguer, that's a little bit of a red flag to me. Um, yeah. You know, and, and it's not out of the picture. Like you're getting, if you're getting recruited for, you know, to play division one, you have the ability to be a, a major leaguer. Um, yeah, for sure. And so not that I, that like I cross guys off the list if they don't say like, you know, I want to win the Cy Young. Um Cause some guys just don't, they don't know that yet. Um, and they don't know how actually close it is if, if they can put themselves in a good routine and get into a good program and, um, you know, but I, I don't think they, they're almost too uncomfortable at times like our guys cause they've, they push themselves too much. They're too hard on themselves, um, uh, because they want to, they want to be able to, you know, get out on the field and have all the glory of, of, being a stud on the team. And I think that's a good trait to have as long as you can harness it. And, you know, we've had, we have a lot of talks with our guys about, you know, like you're going to fail and you're going to fail way more than you did in high school. So, you know, you're going to have to learn to deal with it. Like it, you getting pissed off after a bad outing um, or, you know, striking out it's, that's fine, but how long are you going to do it? And is that helping you in your next at bat? Is that helping in your, in your, in your, yeah. in your next outing. And that goes back to all the mental stuff, like, you know, t- removing negative thoughts and then, you know, f- changing your perception and, and moving on. Um, but I don't think guys, you know, the right kids, they don't, they don't get too comfortable. Um, and if they are, then, you know, they're just never, they'll probably never play yeah. to be, to be honest. Yeah. I think that reframing mindset is, is really essential. I know, our mutual friend, Zach, you know, he, he and I were talking about it recently and it's just like a subconscious thing that you just find some way when things are really bad to find like, well, okay, well now I have more time to do this. Like when I was injured with Tommy John, like obviously I had that twice and 
both times I was like, I get a chance to like remake my mechanics. And back then I didn't know, like there wasn't the internet like mm-hmm. there is today in 2008. Like you couldn't find all the stuff to like do that, that you could today. It was harder, yep. but I still felt like I know I have some flaws that I've found through various books and my coaches and like online stuff. I know that I have some flaws that now I can spend three months against my wall fixing the way I break my hands that I know that I couldn't have fixed it before that. And just like little stuff like that, that as I look back, I realized that that was really like a, probably a weapon that I had to like insulate myself against failure and against dropping out of of like the long-term race. Like it's just, because if you don't find the bright side in things and just even like the little battles, like what did I do well today? You know, like even though I gave up a bunch of runs, like my fastball was good or my changeup was like better than it's ever been. Like I threw some really good curveballs or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. When you find some way to just reframe that situation into a negative, into something you can do better or just like an opportunity or just finding a positive that allows you to stay positive. I think that's really big. I wonder, can you weed, can you find any of that? How much of of their personality and their mental makeup can you really figure out in the recruiting process? It's got to be pretty tough, I imagine. Yeah, that is, that's really tough. Um, You know, I actually, you know, I don't think it's that tough. You just got to have you got kind of got to be personable with them and just get to know them, you know, kind of deep down as best you can, you know, I don't want to, I don't know, not like asking personal questions, but just get legitimately getting to know them as a person. And, um, you know, aside from their baseball accolades and, and just get a feel for, you know, sometimes it's, you know, you can ask coaches about them and, you know, Usually coaches are, you know, they want what's best for the kid or, you know, they're going to kind of upgrade them a little bit in their, in their reports. Some of them, some of them don't, um, but kind of trust in your, trust in your eyes and trust in what, what you feel I think is important, you know, because if you talk to all their coaches, you know, they're going to be the best kid ever and and blah, blah, blah. Um, no offense to, to any of the coaches, um, but, you know, just trust in your eyes in terms of their talent and trust in, you know, your gut, you know, their, of just what you you feel when you talk to them, you know, as this yeah. kid, because some kids, you know, you talk to them on the phone and it's like, all right, that, that was a tough conversation. Um, and then you got to figure out, okay, why is it because he's a legitimately a bad person or is it because, you know, he had it, he just wasn't brought up the same way that I was and we don't have the same things in common. You know, it doesn't mean that they're a terrible kid. They just might have different circumstances. And I think, I think once you start to get deep down into it and get to know them, you can kind of, you'll, you'll see a lot of, I I have a lot of faith in, in guys, even if they have, you know, like they don't know how to talk to you on the phone, you know, that's not their fault. And you can see if they have like deep down qualities that, you know, you can kind of, polish them as a, as a person more importantly. And, and, you know, you know that they're going to put in the work that's, that's important. Yeah. So if you had any last advice, we kind of wrap up here for someone who wants to be in your position as a pitching coach or wants to be a pro ball player like you did. And you played two way in college, which was impressive. You're a D one athlete at UConn played two way, or if they want to just play college baseball in general, like what, what kind of advice do you have to one day become one of the things that Kevin Vance was? You wear a lot of hats. <laughs> um, I would watch a ton of baseball 
obviously the season's over, but watch the World Series. Watch watch as much as you can. I think that's kind of lost in terms of just seeing what, what big leaguers do because they're there for a reason. Um, you know, get surround yourself with, with people that are better than you at baseball and know more about baseball than you. And um, so watching guys, getting yourself in the right, in the right place um, and developing a routine and sticking to it. You know, it's one thing to, you know, say that you're going to do this on, on Twitter and, you know, and, and pump, pump yourself up on social media, but to actually do it, um, you know, you know, if you did it or not, um, but just yeah, working hard. I think if you don't have anyone in your life that can, that can help you in baseball, you know, you gotta, you gotta try and find it and, and you can find it on TV, just watching, watching guys and, and, and kind of just, you know, you can mimic what big leaguers are doing. You can watch their movements and their, you know, how they go about their business and, you know, watch college baseball too. watch, watch everything that you can. I think, uh, especially today with, you know, the internet and, and video and you can, you can watch pretty much anything, anything you need. You know, you'd be surprised how much I just Google, you know, <laughs> how to throw a curveball like you can google that and yeah, my, my and find gonna come up number one better <laughs> yeah you can google everything like you know how to throw harder some of those might not be the best things to read but you know shuffle through keep an open mind but you know find find be a sponge and just find the things that you can relate to and and start to apply them um stay athletic you know, maybe, you know, play multiple sports, just, just stay athletic. And, um, that's, that's what it, I think that's all I got for advice. Yeah. Yeah. Be yourself, well, trust yourself. Yeah. And I think that's underrated because, you know, as far as, uh, this is in like a recent post somewhere, I was just talking about one of the, the unifying qualities I think of really high performers, people that make it a long time and whatever the, it is that they do is just like this mentality that I don't know how to do something. I'm going to go find out how to do it. And like you said, that's watching baseball. That's scouring the internet. That's scouring. Like there's so much more. That's kind of what I was talking about with my, my surgery, how I could like remake my mechanics when I was hurt. Like there's so much, there's so many more rocks to flip over now. Like if you want to know how to do something. And that's why I feel like a lot of times when people will ask me something or they'll ask you something, you'll kind of be like, why don't you already know the answer to this? Like, you know, you could have like Googled this. You could have, like it, this. This is an easily accessible answer, and I you probably appreciate that people will come to you with it. But you're also kind mm-hmm. of maybe confused, like I am sometimes, where you're like, if you really wanted to know this, you'd know this already. Like if I wanted to know this, I would have known this already. I wouldn't have had to ask you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just it's just like everyone who really wants to be great at something, they seem to find a way to do it. They're up late scouring YouTube or scouring bo- reading books. They're doing whatever it is to try to find it like they can figure it out you can watch big leaders and you can study them and you can just your body will assemble itself right like you just i love when like people talk about that with little kids like just teach your little kid just tell them to throw rocks hard at stuff because it does it teaches you how to it's like outcome outcome oriented and they just and they they learn decent mechanics from that like you go to the dominican republic you went to colombia this winter is that right puerto rico puerto rico 
You probably saw tons of kids that had like nothing equipment wise and instruction wise that were just good, right? So mm-hmm. they just figure it out, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's. Yeah, the, uh, kids are awesome. Kids are really smart. They, they can pick up on things if you just kind of let them go and, and play. Um, but yeah, like if, if you hand a, a seven year old kid a bat, he's probably going to, he's going to swing. You know, he's going to have a really good bat path naturally, I think. Uh, Perfect launch angle, man. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> His bat is going to be through the zone long. He's not going to do anything stupid. He's just going to he's going to hit the ball and keep it simple. Um, but, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that one. So where are you uh, working our readers and uh, – not readers, listeners and viewers, because this will be on iTunes and all the podcast places in Audio Land and then also on YouTube here. Uh, where can people follow up with you on what social medias do you lurk upon? Uh, I am on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. That's kind of weird though. Um, don't, don't LinkedIn, Mr. Vance. Don't Facebook, don't Facebook me either. I probably won't accept it unless we have a bunch of mutual friends. No, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. I think, uh, my Twitter is, sorry about it 10 is my twitter handle okay it goes way back um coach underscore vance 10 on instagram got some good pictures up Uh, i got some gorilla pictures on there i love gorillas what do you what do you squat what are you squatting these days Ooh, uh june 1st i squatted 465 i think that's it come on yeah i thought i saw a video of you doing five five plates five wheels on there uh, I deadlifted five ten. Okay, not terrible. Yeah, not terrible. Yeah, I've been to the five hundred club good. before back in my prime, but I'm out of it now. <laughs> Four sixty five, yeah, still pretty freaking strong. So pretty solid. All right, man. Well, hey, appreciate you coming back on the show. First three peat. Good job. Yeah. Good job. And uh, wish. Thanks wish for you having me. Best, best of luck out there in uh, in roadie roadie Rams, not the roadie. Huskers. <laughs> Rody Rams. Go Rody. All right. So thanks again. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed this uh, podcast. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher. Leave us a review if you hated, love the show, whatever. Uh, but I want to thank Kevin Vance for coming on again. It's great having guests. I've kind of took a sabbatical, and it's amazing getting other guys' uh, experience and and their their life lessons from just you know like i said kevin's been around d1 athlete both sides of the baseball hitter and pitcher in college you know pro pitcher and now a a division one pitching coach so thanks again to kevin and uh, we'll see you here next week on dear baseball gods